Welcome home, church. <laughs> Welcome home. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. It's so good to see you. Some of you I haven't seen in quite a while, and uh, some of you I've seen with buggy windshields between us, and you look better without bugs on. You know that? It's good to see you guys. It's, it's just so good to be back in this place that, where we've met the Lord, right? We, we love this place because we've met with the Lord in here. We've encountered God in this place, and it's just so really, really good to be back. You know, as we make our way back into the building and as we carefully, uh, you know, begin the return of our other ministries, groups and ministries, I, you know, I really want to thank you in advance for your cooperation and your patience. You know, nobody likes this, right? Nobody likes this. And so thank you so much for your patience and your cooperation. Uh, I'm so proud of our staff. You know, they, they've worked so hard to provide online resources for you throughout the time and uh, been so sacrificial and creative and innovative. I'm so proud of them. And, and uh, I'm also proud of them. They've worked very, very hard to try to figure this out and to develop, you know, the kind of protocols and plans that, you know, we only have one thing in mind, and that's everybody's safety, right? That's really the only, only thing we have in mind. And so thanks again for your cooperation, your patience. And by the way, it's, it's going to change every week, I'm sure. This is a very fluid situation. And so uh, if you could just keep praying for us that we as staff and elders just really get the best sense of best practices as we move forward, that would, that would be... Uh, that would be just so, so helpful. Well, in today's service, we're, we're, you've noticed already, we're kind of changing up the order of things. Uh, we're backloading the service with worship, if you will, um, because we're trying to figure out how to do a 50-minute service. It's, it's, not our, it's not our rhythm. It's not our way. And so we don't have a lot of the liberties that we have and we, we normally have. And that'll come back someday. Uh, I, I, I'm just praying it soon. But right now we're trying to figure out how to, how to have a 50-minute service. And we're doing that because we have a smaller children's ministry right now. We have a reduced children's ministry. We want to be aware of that. And also because, uh, uh, you know, we need some time in between services to, to sanitize and get everything set for the next group. And so uh, I, I, appreciate, I appreciate your flexibility with us. So at the end of the service, after I preach here in a minute, uh, we're going to we're, we'll actually spend a longer time in worship toward the end, and we're, we're just trying to figure this out as we go along. One more thing before I, before I bring the message today, and that is I'm sure you're all aware that you know, our nation is experiencing just deep, deep civil unrest because of the systemic racism that is so prevalent in our society. And yesterday I was uh, part of a conversation with some of the local pastors here in Grove City, and uh, we've decided together... Uh, that as a show of unity in, uh, in our, supporting, our support of rooting out racism in all its forms and standing in support of our local law enforcement, we're planning to convene an informal gathering uh, of the churches, whoever would like to come, this coming Wednesday at 7 o'clock. And we're inviting churches to meet for about an hour, and what we're going to do is we're going to pray and we're going to sing. We're going to worship the Lord, and we want to invite you to come and, and be a part of that this, this coming 
Wednesday at, at 7 o'clock, and you're wondering, where is it? Ask me where, I dare you. It's so good to hear your voices again. I couldn't hear you in the cars. That was so frustrating. I couldn't hear you. It's just so good to hear you guys. Um, so on Park Street, where the old uh, library building is, right next to the, there, there's a big open space there. And uh, we've talked with the mayor, and we're going to be able to use that space. So that's Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. It's uh, really just meant to be a non-aggressive time of gathering together as believers and worshiping the Lord and, and praying as we really, as we really do support uh, just the rooting out of racism in our society, and as we also support our local law enforcement and the work that they do. So I hope you'll be able to join us, and if not, if you're not able to join us at that particular time, uh, please keep us in prayer, join us in prayer. Okay? Okay? Say okay, I'll begin all over again, all right? Okay, very good. <laughs> hey, as Christian mentioned last Sunday when he was preaching, we're, we're devoting this summer to a, a series of messages uh, really focusing on the attributes of God. And by attributes of God, we mean the qualities of God, who he says he is, as revealed in the scriptures. So with the Bible as our objective revelation of the Word of God, you know, this keeps us from making up a God of our own choosing, doesn't it? And I, I think in these polarized and perilous times, um, it might be tempted to try to make up a version of God that is consistent with our perspective or our position. And the problem with that, of course, is that God is not a figment of our imagination, God is God, yes? I mean, God is something, and God has revealed to us who he is in more than 31,000 verses of Scripture, and it's there that we discover the truth about God. And however inconvenient certain aspects of God might be to our position, God is God. And so for these reasons, we're committed really to spending the summer just mining the scriptures with you to look at some of the amazing attributes of Almighty God. Now, if you are one of the three or four people who have been tuning into our daily devotional Bible studies online, then you already know that when I do mine, coordinating my devotional Bible studies with the subject that I plan to bring on Sunday morning. So on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday, those are my days uh, of this week, I spoke with you about one of God's amazing attributes. What was it? Oh, all three of you are here in the same service. That's fantastic. We, talk, we talked about the glory of God. The glory of God. Say glory, church. Glory. glory. We talked about, <coughs> excuse me, the glory of God. And for that discussion... We've been examining Isaiah chapter 6. I'm sorry, skipped a whole page there. You know, I'm not just not used to working with a manuscript, but it's the only way I can keep it short. So, uh, no, I didn't skip a whole page. Can we just take that all off Facebook? I feel embarrassed now to go out into the world. I don't mind being humbled in front of you all, but this is getting farther. This is getting way out of hand. Okay. So for that discussion, we are, we are looking at uh, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. So as you turn in your Bibles to Isaiah 6 or, or dial it up on your device, I'd like to remind you of a couple of things by way of context. 
that this passage we're about to read was written as an account of something that happened more than 2,700 years ago. So it's an abiding passage. And it's, it's also something that because it's in the first 39 chapters of the book of Isaiah, we have confidence that the actual Isaiah is the author of it. Another thing that we know about this passage that I'm about to read is that it's something that actually happened. It's not a parable, and it's, it's, not, it's not an illustration. We know it actually happened because the prophet gives a, an historical reference at the beginning of it. He tells us when it happened. He begins by saying, in the year that King Uzziah died. So he, he gives it a time. So when the Bible gives us a time, it, it connects it to reality in, a, in, a, in, in an amazing way compared to like when Jesus would tell a parable. And he would say, when the king comes in all his glory, it will be like, you know. And, and, and so when Jesus would say something like that, he wasn't giving it an historical reference where we know that that thing happened. He was using it as an illustration. But in this case, Isaiah 6 1 through 8 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Now above him were seraphs. Now seraphs, these are these unusual creatures of heaven. I mean, heaven's going to be cool, isn't it? <laughs> heaven, I mean, seraphs alone, I don't know what else. If you read the Bible, you see that heaven is just going to be a cool place. And these were seraphs. Above them were seraphs, each with six, six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. There it is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Verse 4, at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried. This is Isaiah's response to what he saw. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. More than 150 times in the Old Testament is a reference to the glory of God. It's a, it's a really essential, critical aspect of the revelation of God and who he is to us. But what do we even mean by the glory of God when we talk about it? Well, as a definition, we're going to use this, that the glory of God is when God makes his invisible qualities visible. That's the glory of God. When the invisible God reveals himself to us, then we are seeing his glory. Now, uh, John Piper calls this when, when God goes public. And so, so God, is, God is invisible, but at times he reveals himself to us in ways, and what we see is his glory. Now, in this case, he was revealing one attribute of himself to Isaiah, and that was his holiness, right? 
Holy, holy. Isaiah looked, and here's what he heard and saw. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord. Is, that means it's an attribute. Is, it's not something God does. It's who God is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. So as God made visible the otherwise invisible quality of his holiness to Isaiah, then he was seeing his glory. And that's what glory is. It's the manifestation of the otherwise invisible qualities of God. Now, Isaiah's response here is understandable, isn't it? I mean, you see how he responds to the holiness of God. He says, woe to me, I'm undone. He says, I, I'm seeing the holiness of God, and now I, I know who I am. I'm a man of unclean lips. I live among a population of people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the king. And so what he's clearly saying here is he's saying, I've seen it, and now I'm stunned by it. And so it's one thing to think about the holiness of God, isn't it? I mean, if you just sit still for a while and God is holy, I mean, that's something that God is. God is holy. And we could extend that. He's righteous. He's perfect. He's clean. He's, he's blazing light. He's, you know, all, anything that might come to your mind about thinking about the holiness of God. What about seeing it? What about seeing the holiness of God? That would be stunning, would it not? Would it not, Ricardo, drive both of us to our faces before God? Would you and I both not have the same response if we saw the holiness of God, brother? Holy, 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 oh, I'm undone. I'm a man of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king. So the glory came. That, that's, that's an example of the glory of God. And now listen, the glory of God through the cross of Christ is something that we as believers are meant to encounter on a regular basis. It may not be a vision like this, but we, we are called by Hebrews chapter 10, the Bible says, that Jesus Christ, by his death on the cross, made a way for us to come in and encounter the presence of God by way of his Holy Spirit. That when we come to God through the blood of Christ shed on the cross, when we encounter God's Holy Spirit, we're actually being drawn into the presence of God. And as we go into that presence, as we respond to that invitation, we will encounter his glory. And you, you may or may not see something, but you'll know it. How many of you have ever been in a time of, of exhaustion and you went into the presence of God and you felt strengthened and refreshed? It's inexplicable. That was the glory of God coming in his omnipotence. He's showing you that he's strong. How many of you have ever been in a time of turmoil in your life and uncertainty and anxiety and you, you pressed into the presence of God and then for no particular reason you came out with peace? That's Jehovah Shalom. That's God showing you that he is peace and you encountered his glory. How many of you like me have ever encountered the conviction of the Holy Spirit for sin in your life? Anybody here besides me? Anyone? That's the glory of God. What's he revealing to you? He's revealing his justice. Boom. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory, what? Of the glory of God. 
And so when we are just kind of walking along through life, rationalizing patterns of sin in our lives, and we suddenly become stunned by it, like, I, I, just, I just completely feel differently about that. That's, that's an example of the glory of God. God is revealing something about himself to you. And encountering the glory of God, it's like oxygen to us as believers and something that God, through the scriptures, just really wants to be generous with. So in a remarkable moment of prayer this week, the Lord spoke very clearly to my heart in a word I want to share with you. I was out walking the wall and praying for for you all, the church, as I'm inclined to do. And I was at a place on the wall where the cross is stationed. It's right on our it's right on our septic mound. When somebody said, "Can I put a cross up on the property?" I said, "Sure, as long as you put it where I want it. Where do you want it?" I want it on the septic mound because Jesus Christ, he gave his life on a garbage heap outside of Jerusalem. He gave his life on a garbage heap outside of Jerusalem for my sins. And he's like that septic system out there for me. He's just cleaning me, cleaning me. So there's a little mound because it's a mound system if that means anything to anybody. And so the cross is there. And, and I, when I got there, I, I did what I'm inclined to do there. Most of the time, I have some time with the Lord at the cross, renewing the covenant of grace in my own life. And I, I like to climb up the little hill behind the cross and just stand there and pray. And I pray, God, hide me behind the cross. That as I minister to this amazing population of people that you bring to this fellowship, God, may they never see me, but may they see you and see your cross. May nobody ever come here and talk about Tom or talk about Christian or talk about anybody, but may they see the cross of Christ. Because the truth is, is that we can't save you. Christian and I cannot save. We are helpless to save you, but the cross of Jesus Christ can. And the truth is that in spite of all of our education and all of our experience, you don't need us. What you need is the cross of Christ. But here's the good news. It's all you need is a relationship with God the Father through his son Jesus Christ. And so I was out there doing my thing and the Lord spoke something to me and by that I mean this, this inter- interrupting thought just came powering in. I knew it wasn't my own because I'm not as smart as the thing I'm about to say. And I thought it was the Lord because it sounded like the Lord. You know what the prophet calls that still, small voice? You know, you know the way the Lord speaks to you? Come on, church, right? You know. And so it was all in that space that the Lord said this to me. He said, the cross is my greatest glory. The cross is my greatest glory. That of all the expressions of God on the earth, that the cross is his greatest glory. And I pondered this. I considered it all week. I prayed about it. And I came to the conclusion that I think the cross could be the greatest, God's greatest glory because he reveals so many of his attributes at the same time. If you just think about the cross, I mean, poor Isaiah was undone at the revelation, at the glory of one attribute, the holiness of God. But think about the cross. 
Think about how God shows us his love on the cross. The Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So when you look at the cross, you see the love of God. When you look at the cross, you see the mercy of God. Because Ephesians 2, 4 says that God, who loves us, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. And so we look at the cross, we see the love, we see the mercy, we see the justice of God. Romans chapter 3 tells us that Jesus Christ dying on the cross for us was both just and the one who justifies us. So when Jesus Christ died on the cross, he fully met the demands of God's holy justice. And so the justice of God. We see the holiness of God. Hebrews chapter 7 tells us that the expression of of the cross is an expression of God's holiness. Romans 5 tells us it's an expression of God's wrath. That God's wrath was poured out on the sins of the world, should have been poured out on the sins of the world because God is holy, but that Jesus bore the wrath of God. We keep looking and we see, of course, that the, the, the cross is an expression of the grace of God. The Bible says it's by grace you have been saved. Not by works, lest anybody should boast. So you look at the cross, and it's his greatest glory, perhaps because so many of his attributes are being revealed all at the same time. The cross, it gives us a long look at God. The cross gives us a long look at God. The great reformer John Calvin called it the theater of the cross. He said, for in the cross of Christ, as in a splendid theater, the incomparable goodness of God is set before the whole world. The glory of God shines never more brightly than in the cross. If it be objected that nothing could be less glorious than Christ's death, I reply that in that death we see a boundless glory which is concealed from the ungodly. It's a theater of God. It's a hole in the fence to look through into the heavenlies, the cross. So be careful when you look at the cross, beloved. Be careful because you'll see his glory. Be careful when you look at the cross with your heart laid bare because there you will both lose your life and find it. Be very careful when you really look at the cross because there you may find yourself humbly repenting before God with deep sorrow for your sin and at the same time signing up for a life that you never envisioned. And there in the magnificent splendor of the glory of God, you may find yourself giving up the right to your own life and saying in all earnestness, here am I, send me. Careful. When you look at that cross, you could lose everything and gain everything. It's the glory of God. As we turn our hearts to worship, I invite you to spend a few moments with me worshiping God from your hearts with no regard for your flesh. Try not to think about yourself but just worship God from your hearts.
I dare you to look at the cross as you worship God with your heart open and see what you see. Would you stand with me, please, church? Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. Would you just center down and invite God to come and reveal himself to you in holiness? Let his Holy Spirit engage you in worship. <laughs> 